In today's episode, we cover the passing of President H.W. Bush, bump stock bans, and so much more. It's been a great week, and we are here to cover it all for you. Hello, America. I'm Matt. And I'm Ben, and we're the Free Will Podcast. What's up, guys? I'm Matt, and welcome into the Free Will Podcast. Uh, it's been another interesting week, and we have quite a bit to cover, so like, let's just get right into it. Uh, Let's start with some unfortunate news today of uh, former President George H.W. Bush dying. Uh, the 41st president, former vice president, former director of central intelligence, George H.W. Bush, passed away Friday evening at the age of 94 years old. Regardless of how you feel about his politics, we can all agree that he was the epitome of class. Don't you agree, Ben? Oh, yeah. He was definitely a good guy. And for this episode, I just want to focus on the successes and the legacy that he left instead of just digging at him. Cause I think that that's just the most respectful thing that we can do for someone of his level of competency and his, for his successful years during presidency and also his years outside of presidency. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, yeah. I want to just cover a couple things in terms of the presidency. Uh, I think it's safe to say that H.W. had a very big impact in terms of American culture right away. He was the vice president of Reagan, who was one of the most popular, iconic presidents in the history of this country. He also had a lot to do with the war on drugs, which unfortunately has not been very successful. But when he started, I believe it had a really good message. Uh, he was also in charge when we were ending the Cold War. And Ben also has a lot of other things in terms of combat that he was very revered for. Yeah, so bef well before his presidency, he served in America's Navy. On his 18th birthday, he joined the uh, Naval Reserve after Pearl Harbor, and he became one of the youngest naval aviators. He fought in the Navy during World War II, and he served in 58 combat missions. Wow. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a war hero to me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and he received Distinguished Flying Cross, and three air medals. He and one of his missions that I think received the most press was one of the missions that he completed against the Japanese Bonin Islands. And he completed this mission even with his aircraft catching fire after being hit by enemy attack. And he got rescued in the middle of the ocean by the USS Finback submarine. And I, I just want to say that this man, he was a truly good man, and and we mourn for his loss, and and my condolences go out to his family. Yeah, agreed. That's pretty much all you can say on that. It's very unfortunate. Uh, once again, former President George H.W. Bush, dead at 94, uh, 1924 to 2018. I think it's all we're all safe to say that we're going to miss him. Yeah, rest in peace. We You will be missed. And, and we're talking on the behalf of all of America, not just ourselves. Agreed. And we got our next topic here, which is the bump stock ban. According to multiple news outlets, the Trump administration is expected to announce its final, final, I apologize, federal bump stock ban this week. The ban is requiring all owners of the popular rifle accessory to turn them in or dispose of them within 30 days after the announcement of the federal ban. It has also been clarified that there will be no grandfathering options for these rifle accessories. Let me say that I absolutely hate this move by Trump and his administration. Me too. 
it is not a, un, it's not unconstitutional because it is a weapon accessory not a weapon but this sends a clear message to trump's base that he is more than willing to bend and compromise with the other side of the aisle on gun rights even though it is just an accessory the same principle applies to it as it would to a gun outlying a piece of plastic on the stocks is not going to stop mass shootings and that stuff i'm mentioning are the reasons i think this will blow up in the administration's face it's the same reason AR-15 bans will never work, you know? So many people own them that th they'll never get everybody to turn them in. And I was just, I'm going to expect some legal appeals to this when the ban actually is announced. And I think overall, awful move by Trump. Yeah, and this is what I, I think of the strategy as far as why they did this. So the NRA before has blamed bum socks and has used them as a scapegoat. And I think that the reason why they use this is to appeal as more sympathetic to the um, as a Republican platform to these Democrats. Like they try and find this as a common ground, but I think that this is just the wrong move for them. And implementing this bit, this is not something that I believe in because I believe that <clears throat> any anything breaking the Second Amendment, anything breaching there, should not take place because the, it's the Second Amendment for a reason. And when you have as your primary argument that banning certain guns is unconstitutional and banning them will not solve anything, which is the um, NRA's standpoint, its most conservative standpoint. And then when they go ahead and say, yeah, so banning these things will not stop anything because it's just law-abiding citizens who have them. So let's just go ahead and ban this accessory. Where is the logic in that? I, I agree like, with you oh, totally. Like, then. wow. Yeah, I and agree. And then when you have, this really makes the constitutionalist Republicans look weak. And I also don't believe in executive orders. This is not a time of crisis. This shouldn't have happened. There's no sense of urgency for something this, even if you believe that something this should, should come about, and I don't. And to me, it just opens the gates for a gun control epidemic, and it makes for more successful raids on the second amendment to happen in the future that's what i believe yep and i i pretty much agree with you ben let me say that once again yes technically it is not breaching the second amendment because it's an accessory but like i said it's the message that's being sent and i think this message being sent is the same part of the reason why traditional conservatives a lot of them didn't want trump to be elected they didn't vote for trump they didn't support trump and this is why because they were afraid that he was going to bend on issues that shouldn't be non-negotiable i think we can all agree that we want trump to work in unity with democrats as much as possible but in the grand scheme of things there should be some republican ideals that are just simply non-negotiable and i think gun control and the second amendment i think that's just one of those non-negotiable things where we have to stick to our conservative values on that yeah and i think that this was just overall the wrong move for them for trump to put out and i think that it's just just by implementing this ban it it again it just takes away from their main point of having specific firearms and specific firearm accessories being banned as unconstitutional, it just does a huge disservice to people who believe that law-abiding citizens are the people who own these, so therefore it would do nothing. And I believe that, and Trump has said that, that banning certain firearms 
would not do anything because they're law-abiding citizens. So in his own logic, how does this make sense? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really am I'm just completely confused on this one, Ben, because to me, personally, I don't think Trump's like the biggest backer of full-on conservative values, but I think he's doing no, I don't a think better so job in implementing those conservative values than anybody gave him credit for. But this, in my opinion, was just completely out of character for him. I mean, I've seen him bend on a couple things, say a couple things that maybe, okay, he he gave in to the Democrats and said something they wanted him to say, but this is just full-on legislature. This is Democratic legislature. Like, this is totally a ban that Obama would have passed. Yeah, honestly, I, I would go as far as you calling this a sellout move on his part. That oh, I because th- this kind of angers me that something this would go through with with Trump, like with Trump, not <laughs> some Democrat, not some high, um, highly left wing liberal. Exactly. Trump. <laughs> That's the worst part about this, Ben, that we have the reins. We have the control to stop the legislature like that, that we haven't liked for the last eight years to go through. And it's still going through. Like, I'm just. Okay, that that's just terrible. I'm sorry. And I think if anybody wants to sit here and say that we just back Trump no matter what, this is the perfect example of when he does something we don't like, we have no problem saying it. And this is one of those, This I hate this. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. I just can't stand this. Yeah, I, I can't either. And I, and I feel bad for the Republican Party that we're going to have those people who say that Trump can't do anything wrong and spin this to a way that, would fit their narrative of Trump being perfect and still detracting from the values that they themselves believe in. I, I think believe that they're taking, been, they're taking think, some figure over their own values. If I you go that, around and say that this is I not bad. Also, I think it's also pretty bad because not only do you have those like always Trumpers in the Republican Party, you also have the people were traditional conservatives who either did not support him or did support him but reluctantly and they're going to look at this move and say see why on earth do we vote for this guy in the first place and that's going to be a really bad spot going into 2020 because he can't be doing mm-hmm. this because this is just the i'll tell you okay yeah we're saying it didn't accomplish anything but i lied it did this legislation did accomplish one thing it ticked off trump's base that's the only thing this accomplished <laughs> Yeah, and I think that, and again, this is not just a Trump thing. I mean, we'll look at NRA, and they, they've they published stuff against bump stocks. I mean, this is this is something that they probably work together with, which scares me more just because it creates a hypocritical narrative of the NRA and of Trump. And, and again, that this was a executive decision that this goes against what I I believe firmly in the separation of powers. And this just does not seem like something that I would have ever wanted to go through. And how it went through, I don't like And I agree wholeheartedly with you on the NRA being hypocritical on this. Because the NRA, it is for the most part, and has claimed to be all the time, uh, organization that defends the Second Amendment and tries to keep it as unrestrained as possible and untouched as possible, which I agree with wholeheartedly. But them supporting yeah. the ban of the bump stock, Ben, is bad for a lot of reasons because not only is it hypocritical, but it's just opening the window to ban a bunch of accessories because who's to say next there's going to be, God forbid, another mass shooting 
where the guy uses a red dot sight so he's more accurate. Then they're going to say, oh, well, there's no need for red dot sights because that just makes people more accurate. Like, same thing. <laughs> and then the ban of the ban of a freaking pistol grip because apparently that is dangerous if you have a pistol grip point. compared exactly. to a traditional rifle. Exactly, Ben. That's my point why this is just the stupidest move ever. It's benign. It accomplishes nothing. It triggers the base. <laughs> Trigger. I apologize. I shouldn't have said that word. I should have said ticked off. It ticked off the base of Trump. And it just makes gun Second Amendment supporters look really vulnerable right now. Yeah, and even even if you don't own bump stocks, but you own firearms, this should piss you off. Even if you don't own anything, this should piss you off because this is... This is something to weaken the law-abiding citizens' arsenals, and that that is something that also scares me, is is just limiting what the citizens can have and have and having the government just have that much more of an edge I, over you. And also considering that nuke <clears throat> statement that we covered last episode, like that these things are happening together, this is just like... This is one of the worst possible oh, yeah. times. I didn't even for think one of that, Ben. That's a good point. Yeah. This is this is this is beyond scary to me. And I hope that this sheds some light to other people who may not have thought of it this way. And even and if you disagree, you disagree, but just know that this is somewhat of an infringement. Whether or not it's unconstitutional or not, I I still view this as an infringement. Agreed. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot on that. Uh, but that's all we have to cover on that. Okay, next up we have the Mueller protection bill. So earlier this week, yeah, oh boy. I know, right? Oh boy. <laughs> so earlier this week, a bill designed to basically make special counsel and Robert Mueller immune to being removed from post was brought to the Senate floor by Democrats Chuck <clears throat> Schumer and Cory Booker. About midway through the week. It seemed like it was going to get re- the required number of votes because Republican Jeff Flake once again crossed party lines to vote for the Democrat bill. But on Saturday, Republican Mike Lee objected against allowing a vote in fears of the bill being unconstitutional. So let me start by saying thank God Mike Lee objected it because this protection bill that makes special counsel immune is essentially creating a fourth branch of government which jacks up separation of powers, which is unconstitutional. It, it, this is, it's terrifying if this would have passed. Yeah, I mean... You, you can't have someone who serves for life and is immune to anything. That's one of the things that our country was founded against. I mean, when you had the monarchy for Britain ruling over us, someone who serves for life that is completely immune to anything... That is a scary state where you don't have much control if you disagree with politics. You don't if you can't voice your concerns out loud. That that'll infringe the First Amendment. That'll it would just be horrifying, especially when you have someone in office who disagrees with someone who's immune from anything. That's that's scary. Yeah. And let me clarify that we aren't out of the woods yet. This blocked the vote for now. But it's definitely, like, there's going to be some debate on this. There's going to be some battling back and forth amongst the parties in the House or the Senate, I apologize, to get this to the floor for an actual vote. Because at the end of the day, this is only a temporary delayment until at least somebody else of higher power can step in and, like, object against this. Because 
like Steve Scalise said, it's the same thing. Like it's you're creating a fourth branch of government doing this because you're making the special counsel its own branch of government because it's can't be stopped. It can't be cut out. You're saying that's even worse than a branch. Listen, because with every branch you can have, you can be cut. You're not immune. Yeah. And not just that though, Ben, but this would be one thing if they were just talking about them laying, letting them finish the Russia investigation, the special counsel, but now they're talking about protecting them so they can investigate all types of things like Trump and his family and voter fraud and the Republican party and like all these ridiculous things like this thing's they're trying to make sure that the special counsel is around for a long, long time. Which would be fourth yeah, and, get, and guess who's not going to be affected by this? The Democrats, when they have their scandals, and the special counsel is already jacked. Oh, yeah, them. I know, I know. Th- this is something, and I'm, I'm not happy at all that Jeff Lee You took the words in right out of my of mouth, Ben. Right out of my mouth. Oh, that, that, is, that is scary that any... That any person voted for th- that this was even brought up, <laughs> let alone that Democrats supported this and that Jeff Flake well, supported this. Well, here's the thing, this. Ben. I honestly, at this point, I'm just expecting Jeff Flake to do it because he did it with Kavanaugh. He's done it for the last three and a half years. Like he, yeah, he's, he's a sell. He, he's, he's a, a sellout. sellout. Exactly. He's gone completely soft. And at the end of the day, this is how I feel about Capitol Hill. There's some good people on both sides there's some bad people on both sides but at the end of the day other than those few good people there's no there's no red republican blue democrat there's just green money if you can get sold out on it then it is what it is because at the end of the day ben all of these people whether they're democrats or republicans they're friends they all go out to dinner together they all go golfing together they're friends on a deeper level and that's when it gets tricky because that's when you can start convincing people on the other side of the aisle to come vote for your bill just because you guys are friends and you know like personally that they might have what's in the best interest of everybody out you know so that's that's why i don't really have well, I, I definitely capitol hill there's a couple good people there but there's not many yeah i mean i i definitely agree that there is financial incentive personal financial incentives for some of these people voting for them. I do know that some got sold out and I know that a lot of them vote for their party rather than voting for conscience. And that is what made America when we were first founded so special was that that really wasn't so much of a thing. Like we were founded based on on voting for consciousness rather than voting for anything else. And that is definitely in jeopardy right now and i and i really do hope that more people they just vote for the the best of the people and not for themselves it it's just something though that i can hope for and i cannot guarantee to anyone watching this that oh you happen. can never guarantee it on capitol hill anyway no there there's just so much corruption going on and and i won't say that there's just corruption in the democrats i mean they're there's always some form of corruption. Yeah, I was going to say corruption in American sides, government in general is just a common thing at this point. Yeah, I mean, I mean, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And and as we bring up every episode, Thomas Paine, he knows, <laughs> yeah. he, he, he knows that government will always not be a friend of the people and that at best it is a necessary Agreed. evil. And at worst, it could bring 
forth the demise of freedom, the demise of liberty and justice. Yep, absolutely. And you also want to point out, Ben, that also what Thomas Paine said, that we can do better ourselves personally each and every day is what something we can still do is hold the government accountable. We can we can oh, yeah, speak definitely. out against them. We can say, hey, we don't like that. Because at the end of the day, the people have control. The people are supposed to have control, not the government. And that's what's so scary right now about modern day is that we can speak out, but the government is just so big. And when you have people advertising for bigger yeah, government, right? where government controls the education center of America, when they control a lot of the industry, that is when the government becomes so big that you don't have that anymore. And that's when that's when we become into another society that we don't we don't have the liberties that we take for granted every day. I agree a hundred percent. And it's kind of ironic because Democrats sit there on television, on the news, and complain about how controlling the government is and how they don't have their voices heard. Yet they're calling for even more centralized and larger government. Yeah, the government is never your friend. Again, the government is just not there for you. It is there to do its job. And hopefully the job is what the people want. And hopefully they listen to the people. And they should listen to the people. That's why there's government. Because we have so many people that we just need representatives. And that we can't function as just a straight up democracy where there isn't, like I said, government in place. We need representatives. But when you have, when you have a stronger centralized government, you lose a lot of the voice that, that you need to be able to live the life that you want with the freedoms that the Bill of Rights gives you. That, that's just all in jeopardy when you go for a stronger centralized government. And that's a risk that apparently these um, Democrats are just willing to take because they're in office. <laughs> So they get the power. Yep, absolutely. Perfectly. And what and one more thing with that is the that people always rave how in communism there's um, everyone is equal. Well, that is not true because you have the people in power who are living lavishly while as everyone else suffers. Yeah, it's the thing that communism is not was equal. supposedly made to stop the rich dominating over the poor. And that's exactly what's happening, except the rich aren't called the rich. They're called the government. Yeah, I mean, the government, the people in government now, a lot of our officials are rich. Oh, they're all rich. Even the Democrats, like Hillary Clinton, she's rich. They all make at least six figures. They're all very well off. And then they're they're lying to the people by saying that them having more control is what's going to make them better off. Instead of them working their asses off to get the job that they need done to make a good living and who pursue whatever they want. Perfectly said, Ben. Perfectly said. Yeah. uh, So that's all on the Mueller protection bill. Happy Hanukkah. (laughs) Yep. That's our next, that's our next thing is our first night of Hanukkah. Uh, It's the first night. We're recording this on Sunday night. And it's the first night of Hanukkah for all the Jewish people who do celebrate it. Uh, I'm Christian. But Ben is Jewish, and we here at Free Will Podcast are huge supporters of all Judeo-Christian values, and not just Christian or not just Judeo. Is the reason we're we're in we're in favor of of believing in any religion that you want or lack of, and 
having the the right to celebrate yeah that's a good point as long as it's not violent we we have our strong judeo-christian values but at the end of the day you're free to express whatever religion you please of course totally and it's the reason or lack of because it's a freedom of speech it's a freedom of religion freedom to think anything you want absolutely and i think that our Judeo-Christian values amongst your religion, my religion, is the reason we so largely support Israel and the severely mistreated population of Jewish people in this world. It's it's really a shame because... I, I mean, Juda- Judaism has suffered more than probably any other religion in the history oh, of Earth. We've suffered Absolutely. so much. A hundred percent. The amount of times people have tried to genocide the Jewish population or even just in like America or even within just the last hundred years of just people degrading Jewish people. And yeah, just look at the Pennsylvania synagogue shooting that happened. Yeah. How many recently. people died? Was it like 11 people died in that one? It's terrible. It's really terrible. And all because they want to practice their religion and they're not doing anything. They're not, their religion isn't preaching anything like death to anybody. They're just, they just want to. Yeah, they're just practicing their religion peacefully. They're not inciting violence upon anybody, which is fine. I mean, with whatever religion you believe in, it's fine to believe in the religion, but you can't threaten yeah, exactly. people no matter what you believe in. And the, <clears throat> and in the synagogues, they're not preaching for death to anybody. They're, it's just not something that is spoken by any by anyone in judaism that i've ever met no one really believes in that type of violence and and we're still in jeopardy right now like with israel they're still constantly oh yeah the numbers the jewish population is very small in the world in the world stage in the grand scheme of things it's it's really small and it's a shame too because it's being beaten out of existence. And we are the people who can stop this. We can stop all of these hate acts against Jewish people. We can stand up as me as a Christian. I stand beside Jewish population because we share a lot of the same core values. And I think anybody of any religion should be able to stand by a person of good morals, regardless of religion. Yeah, you should not be, you should not be judged based on what religion you believe in. You should be judged based on your merit and based on your actions. That's what I believe. And when you when you look at maps, like for dominant religions in regions, really the only place that has a significant number of um, Jews compared to any other, like any other religion is Israel. And they're, again, they're being delegitimized by many, many neighboring countries in the Middle East. They're under attack. And and we need they need our support. They they need all of our support, not just the free will podcast <laughs> support. They need the U.S. government support. They need the American citizen support. And it's just really important that that we that we just stand up for what we believe in and we stand up for freedom of religion and don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Yeah, I agree strongly with a lot of the points you said, and I think it's super important to clarify how badly Israel needs our support now more than ever. Because, I mean, up until the last two years, Israel's really been mistreated in the world stage. They haven't really had much support from President Barack Obama. He went Yeah, the U.S. mistreated them. Did you know when Netanyahu came to America in 2010 to visit with Obama, 
And Obama wouldn't even eat with him. He wouldn't even have a meal with him. How terrible is that? How how mistreated do you have to be before you look at these poor people and say, like, they need our help in standing up to defend their religion? And I think it should be that way for any religion. I think the Jewish people need it right now, but I think I feel confident that Jewish people would stand up and defend any other religion that was in danger. Yeah, and, and again, whether you're Christian, you're Jewish, you're Muslim, you're atheist, you you have the right to to practice whatever religion or lack of you believe in, and you should be treated the same as everyone else. That's what I I highly believe that it is just not something you should compromise, and it is not something that you should be shamed of yep. for. And you and we've had in our past, like with the Barack Obama years, where Israel has not been treated fairly, and we have, and they've been looked down upon by those years where he was in office. I mean, the, the Iran deal, Awful. that was completely terrible. That was a stab in the back yep. to Israel, as we talked about the last podcast. And yeah, I just think that I think that Trump is doing a good job with Israel yeah. right now, but Israel is still in jeopardy as much as it has ever of has course. been. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, so, yep, that's all on that. Once again, first night of Hanukkah. So all blessings and peaceful tidings to anybody who's celebrating that right now. Uh, okay, that's that section. Good little <laughs> section. All right, our next topic is uh, Democrats choose Representative Pelosi as House Speaker. Uh, the Democrat House caucus. Big shock. What? <laughs> what Big oh, shock. I know. Big shock. <laughs> Never would have yeah, seen it coming. Uh, so the Democratic House Caucus has officially nominated Rep. Nancy Pelosi of California to be Speaker of the House. Shocker. <laughs> so all interparty issues are now out of the way because there was some trouble with that. They were trying to fight to see if she was even going to get the nomination, but she did. And now she will face a larger uh, floor vote in January. So she's not out of the woods yet. Uh, Me personally, I feel like she should be Speaker of the House for a few reasons. Number one, she did work her tail off rallying in public and publicly speaking. I apologize to get the astonishing midterm results they did because they got great midterm results. And she was a huge part of that, I think. And number two. She is the best bet for Republicans to prove policy points because she is extremely left compared to conservatives in the House. And if she does a poor job running the House the next two years, that makes a great talking point for Republicans to recommend voting GOP in 2020. But that means that voters would actually have to listen to logic and facts before they vote. (laughs) That was a lot. I I want to say that. I'm not in favor of Nancy Pelosi. I mean, I don't. Oh yeah, like me neither. I don't want them to get the wrong idea. I'm not at all. Yeah, but but I think that this is, while while it was kind of like we kind of already suspected that this would happen. Yeah, I think it's even though it hasn't like officially happened, but we 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 expected that she would become House Speaker, and she is a senior politician, obviously. And I, I believe that this actually helps predict who will run in 2020 because you have a senior politician who's the House Speaker, right? Or who's going to be the House Speaker. So I think that this is kind of showing a trend that they're going to just try and push forward the, the political animals of the left, the people who've been there since the dawn of time. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, so I think that Hillary Clinton, you've got her. 
and you've got some other senior politicians in the left that are going to probably come out of the woodworks. There's going to be the younger guys who are going to run just as an alternative. Yeah. But I think that the Democratic Party will rig it so that they don't get very far, just like they did with Bernie Sanders. Well, I think this is also win-win for us because I think it's important to notify that I think that the Democratic Party right now is horrible in the first place. But with that being said, I think Pelosi and the senior politicians like Schumer and all of those people in the Democratic Party are very ineffective. And I don't think they're going to be the ones to bring change. But the people who I do think have the potential to bring change are a lot of those politicians in their 30s and 20s like Ocasio-Cortez and that whole party of Democrats that got elected to the House this midterms, but they luckily didn't get their person to be Speaker of the House. They didn't get a young person to be Speaker of the House or anything like that. So there. Well, I think that I think with Ocasio Cortez, why the a lot of Democrats don't really favor her is because she. I bet that if she gains a lot of traction, if that's a movement that becomes strong, they're going to dethrone the. The older left generations. That's like exactly what I was Pelosi, Clinton. Yeah. I mean, when you look at the communist parties throughout the history of the world, they've not, they always get rid of the older people. They always get rid of those political animals, no matter how left they yeah. are. They're always ran out for some new, fresh people. That's my point. That's and, why I was trying to get at yeah. them. That I'm, really glad that Pelosi got to be Speaker of the House because that means the old ineffective ways of the Democratic Party are going to continue to rule the Democratic Party for the next two years. In the But this could also be dangerous because you might have more traction with the socialist um, Cortez. Even though the Democratic Party basically is socialist, her publicly declaring that and that might become a new trend. Well, yeah, I it is kind of a new trend already, Ben. But I think my point that I'm trying to make here is that I'm kind of playing this on the assumption and the bet that we have we win in 2020. That because as my hope that we win in 2020, that I hope we that win too. back the house, maybe keep the senate, and we win back the presidency. But my whole point is that at least for the time being, we've held off the young, passionate socialists in the Democratic Party. Like, they didn't get speaking for now platform. For now. For now. And I, I believe that the Democratic Party is in shambles. Like, even though they won the House by a fair amount, I still think that they're, that they're just going lower and lower, and people are starting to realize this. And again, when you look at those midterms and you realize – the switch compared to other switches in history, it wasn't all that big. But I think that, I think that the this is where a socialist party would come out of the wood woodworks. When you have this leftist party that is not only like failing because they they are basically oh they failing. are they have no direction and and you have and on top of that you have the media constantly dethroning Trump and constantly delegitimizing Republicans. I mean, that's an idealist woodwork for a socialist party to come out. The only problem is that, for the most part, a lot of policies Trump has pushed have been successful. That is the, and the economy is booming right now. That's the only thing halting that from taking place. And fully. I still don't feel great. And, you know, I'm a little nervous. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little nervous about 20.
Oh yeah, I, I'm definitely nervous at someone like Ocasio Cortez. Yeah, they they get me worried. Power. We live in. Who doesn't even know the oh, branches yeah, the of government? Government. I honestly, I'm not gonna lie. I almost slipped because I watched that video today. But oh, I, I was crying yeah, out loud. No. <laughs> like just, just I was crying of laughter. But just that. <laughs> but I was also crying out of fear because that's, that's scary that someone who doesn't even know our government is in government it, in a high It gets level. you uneasy, Ben, because she represents the character of the young people in this country. I mean, you and me, we're about 17, 18, and our generation... We're the next voting Yeah, we're generation. the next voting generation. Our generation's a little more conservative from what studies show, but in terms of the millennials... They are the ones that are about to have main control of this country. And they are very happy and very content with the idea of doing nothing and just mooching off of socialism, which scares the crap out of me because that means... Well, honestly, I, I don't believe that our generation is as conservative as we like to think. Just because when you look at the school newspapers, they're well, still ben, you do also, heavily you biased. You do also live in Massachusetts, which is one of the most liberal states in the union. I can tell you from personal yeah, experience. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's I can fair, tell you but... personal experience in South Carolina. It is not like that. I think it's... Yeah, but when you look at the population differences, Massachusetts is a lot higher of a density and has a lot more people overall than a lot of the more red states. Yeah, but... And especially with California and New York City, like there's tons of people there compared to when you go to the uh, more conservative areas of the country, which tend to be more rural. There tends to be more spread between them. Right. It, it, it's really hard to predict, though, and, and ultimately we'll see how conservative our generation is when um, coming up in 2020. Yeah, I mean, and I feel, and I feel like personally that we – even if we aren't socially conservative, I feel like our generation is definitely at least fiscally conservative because we grew up during the recession. We all saw our parents losing their crap, freaking out during the recession. We all saw that, and we don't want that for ourselves. So we definitely have conservative views in terms of economics at minimum, which at least I think that's one of the more important ones. So I think I can rest assured because I'm pretty confident. But not, not necessarily because when you look at – when you look at us, we're going into college when college is more expensive than ever and is continuing to skyrocket. And you have the government offering solutions like, oh, we're going to give you free college. Oh, we're going to make sure that we're going to give you loans and stuff like that and not doing anything about the college prices. They're pushing it where like we're going to be forced to rely on the government, and that's where they're going to try and trap our generation. Yeah, but I think our generation is smarter blue. than that, Ben. I know. I think our generation knows. Well, that. I mean, we still have, at least in my school, you still have like ninety eight percent of us going to college, even with these prices like well, this. Well, yes, you take. So we, we'll really like, see. I think that a lot of our generation also is a lot more conservative than you give the credit for. Because I mean, even I lived in Massachusetts, obviously, and I saw what I was when I was there, Ben. I'll tell you, out of all of my friends i mean i knew plenty of people who were democrat but out of all my friends most of them are republican and they're my age i think our generation is a lot more conservative than people are giving me credit for i don't think it's like crazy right but i definitely well i think another reason for that is just because especially right now you have a lot of leftists who don't really they don't really welcome conservatives in their friend group like, I'm fine with being friends with leftists. I'm fine with being friends with independents. I'm fine with being 
friends with really anybody. But you have a lot of people in that party that really aren't so welcoming of us. And I think that's also why we tend to gravitate more towards people of our own views. Because they tend to just welcome us That's fair enough. But, I mean, I don't know about you. I mean, the only issue I have with that is I'm not – I mean, maybe in this day and age, I don't personally – I don't think politics is one of the first things I ever bring up. I think politics is one of the last things I ever talk about when I'm a, when I'm the Oh yeah, same because I'm honestly, while I love speaking my mind, sometimes you can be scared for your safety when you're talking about this to people who are so intolerant. It's not even just that. I mean, I youth. agree with that, but it's not even just that. I think personally, like you said, I do also enjoy talking on the podcast. And speaking my mind, and I mean, God, I'm writing a book on coming out as conservative. But I think just when, in my opinion, when you're befriending people, there's more important things in life than conservative, conservatives and liberals. You know, I think that you got to find common interests and things like that. And just see if they have good character. And those are the more important things. I think, are you liberal or Democrat? Or Republican conservative, I think that's the last thing I ever bring up. Even if I don't, even if I don't bring it up, I don't bring it up sometimes. You know? Yeah, just like how religion doesn't define exactly. us, I don't believe that party lines agree. define us. A hundred percent. The only thing that's a little different than religion is that certain views may come across as um, not really tolerable to people, but for the most part, it it really doesn't make that much of a difference whether you believe in different um politics agreed all right yeah uh, so that's all on that we we really got off on a tangent on that one i'm glad that that was interesting uh so Mm -hmm. yeah we got our next topic all right next topic is trump administration once more resumes immigrant family separation at the border uh In the wake of the migrant caravan giving so much trouble at the border this week, the Trump administration has once again began separating immigrant children from their families, according to multiple sources. Of course, this has been met with a ton of retaliation from the left and various immigrant rights activists. Uh, But the Trump administration is claiming that they are doing it to protect children from their parents who could potentially be criminals. So let me say that, yes, that last part is true. Statistically, according to sources in Tijuana and America at the border right now, in terms of the number of people there and the number they found out are actually criminals, there's a legitimate chance that these kids' parents are criminals. But, like, just stop the separations, Trump. Like, seriously, that stuff may be true, but it isn't America's job to babysit troubled migrant children. Exactly. They're, at the end of the day, they're not they're not American citizens. Not just that, but they're just not, I don't want to sound rude, but the most blunt way I can put it is it's not our problem. We have people trying to jump over the border in the first place. We can't worry about if there's a kid from Tijuana, Mexico, or El Salvador in a tough situation with criminal parents. That's not our problem. It's not our jurisdiction. So, I mean, if you ask me, I say keep the families together until they're either granted entry to America or deported. It should not be complex, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I believe that, too. And to me, I'm, I'm, honestly, I believe that if you are coming into this country illegally, you are a criminal, regardless of Absolutely. anything. So I think that you should, if you aren't a citizen and you're not coming here through the um, legalization process, or the citizenship process, I mean, you you really don't belong here. And I think that you shouldn't separate families because of, I, I think that it is not our job 
to separate them. And if they want to come in legally, they come in as a family legally. And if they come here illegally, they all get kicked out illegally Agreed. together. Yeah, and I think that just simply put, it's just, again, another example of awfully poor execution on immigration issues in the Trump administration. And I think that's just one of the uh, – Trump's been doing a pretty good job in his presidency, but I think that's one of the things that I've been very displeased with in the last two years. He. Yeah, he's definitely been a little iffy on the yeah. immigration process. Yeah, he's been very weak. Regardless of whether it's refugees or, or the caravan, I think that that's one of his less strong I suits agree. in his and presidency. It's kind of ironic because that was kind of the build the wall was his huge thing on the campaign trail. And that's come out to be one of his weakest points is immigration. And I think that even mm-hmm. though the numbers are going down in terms of illegals crossing the border, the numbers are still way too high. And I think that just when immigration is put on the national scope like this with something like a caravan or a mass wave of people just coming to the border in the first place and you act poorly like this, like when you start not doing things properly, it just makes you look really bad and shows people that you're incapable of doing that piece of legislature. Yeah, and whether or not you are capable or not, you just look, you don't look as professional. And I want to say that I don't believe in letting in people that we don't know into this country. Like, I don't believe in in refugees, whether or not they come from Central America in a caravan or they come from the Middle East. I don't believe in bringing in people that we do not know in this day and age that we don't have any backgrounds of. And I think that if you want to come into this country, you you need to show proof of identification. We need to know who you are and you need to come in legally. That is something that you need to do, but a lot of people don't do that. And it is really becoming a problem for this country, having people we don't know just showing up. And I think that one of the first things that Trump did that I really did not approve of when was when he called for a Muslim ban. Like this is another time when I believe that he while what he meant and what he said are different things, but he set him up for such criticism and he deserved it. Cause I'm fine with not letting people from middle Eastern countries that we don't know the backgrounds of and that aren't coming in legally. I'm fine with not letting them in, but you can't say a Muslim <laughs> ban because that's, that's discriminatory. just not what we yeah, stand for as a exactly. country. You can't segregate a religion. That is one of our biggest founding points that the pilgrims came here because of religious segregation in the country so Mm -hmm. i think that trump has definitely been iffy on the immigration policies that he's put out and i think that he really needs to step up his game because we have a serious problem going on and i don't think that he's doing the best that he can do to solve yeah and i mean i agree with everything you've said and at the end of the day I've been paying close attention to things like this and everybody seems to agree that we do have an immigration problem and if we want to deal with it, it's now or never because if we continue to let it go in the direction it's going for even a year or two, we're going to have mass differences in the voting landscape. We're going to have really bad uh, issues with pay for workers there's gonna be a lot of issues that are gonna spiral out of this if we don't take yeah you're gonna have bought votes because the democrats are going to 
the illegal immigrants are going to vote blue. So you're going to have people who are not part of the United States um, citizenship. They're not going to vote for whoever they want. They're going to vote for whoever gets them in the country. Not just that, Ben. And then, you're also going to have the wage lowering, like the pay issues for workers. And I think that's a huge one. I think that's one that on a non-political landscape, I think that everybody should care about because if illegal immigrants are yeah. flooding into Texas, Texas workers are going to have awfully low wages because they're going to be, those immigrants are going to be working on cheap yeah, labor. Exactly. They're going to be cheap labor, working under the table, making next to nothing. And then what's also going to happen with that is you're going to have the people who are measured for the um, unemployment um, statistics you're going to have more people listed as unemployment just because the American citizens themselves will be counted and they're going to have less jobs because they will be taken by the lower wages. Cause in a capitalist society, you want to make as much money as you can. And when you have people who are coming into this country, not legally who don't have any authentication, but they can come in and do labor for whatever low price they want. That is just, that is just degrading to American citizens. And then another issue you have is bringing in diseases from countries yes. because we don't know what We were talking have. about that the like, other day, remember? What yeah. was it called? With that, with that, what the polio symptom-like virus yeah, yeah. that it, happened. I forgot what it was called. Most of the cases in Texas. Yeah, I forgot what it was called, but it was like a polio-like virus. And it was out of all the states that had the most infected cases, it was surprisingly shocker, shocker, Texas and New Mexico. Wow. And right by the border, exactly. too. <laughs> I mean, this is this is definitely a real threat. And this is something that really doesn't okay. get talked about too much. But there are most definitely some diseases there, that we are not exposed to and not vaccinated for in Central and South America that we're just not prepared for. And we've people, again, we don't know any medical backgrounds for coming in yeah. here. All right. Yeah, there's a lot on that, uh, a lot of interesting stuff. So next topic. Uh, all right, next topic is the increase in multi and transgender bathrooms in America. In the past four years, we have noticed an increasing amount of gender fluid bathrooms, transgender only bathrooms, and the allowance of transgenders to use the bathroom of their choice. For me, this is dangerous. It's dangerous because you are taking mm -hmm. feelings and opinions and putting them into law. For example, the transgender bathroom bills being passed around America under the guidelines technically would have to allow a grown man and pedophile to be able to use the bathroom with small girls in the girls' bathroom. And I know that something like that isn't an epidemic, but my point is that when you legislate on something opinion-based and feelings-based and not factual, the law can easily be abused, and it gives more power to some of the out-of-control people. Mm -hmm. And real quick, do you mind reading us the definitions of gender and oh, sex? Oh, happily, Ben. Uh, so gender's definition, this is Merriam-Webster dictionary, so everybody has a source. Uh, gender, either of the two sexes, male and female, especially when considered with reference to social and cultural differences rather than biological ones. And actually, let me just read the definition of sex first before I make my point. Uh, and sex, either categories male and female into which humans and most other living things are divided on the basis of their reproductive functions so you know those sound pretty similar and to me mm -hmm. they should be and synonyms for gender 
the synonym is sex. And for sex, the synonym is gender. Unshocking to us, but it's a little shocking when you look at the social landscape and see people saying, there's a various range of genders. There's a spectrum. There's a spectrum of genders. No, I, I apologize. I hate to break the news to you, but as technically defined, gender and sex are the same thing. They're the exact same thing. One of them is... Yeah, they're the same thing. And then there's that add-on after in it. There's an add-on with the especially that probably wasn't there a while back when this just was not a thing. Yeah, the add-on. And I believe that... I, I don't believe in mixing this based on feelings because, as you said, you can have anybody who can say they feel this, they feel like they're the other gender and go into the bathroom because there's no way of proving a Exactly. Feeling. That's what my point say- was earlier about legislating yeah. on opinions and feelings because it makes yeah, a lot you, you just can't. Yeah, it is, it is so easily abused because you just cannot prove a feeling. You can say whatever you want and classified as a feeling a feeling whether or not it is or not that you believe in but you can say it and it again where does this end because because a sex is a set thing a gender to me is a set a set thing i mean there's a male and a female there is the male reproductive system and there's the female reproductive system there's an xx chromosome and an xy chromosome and all of these things add up to equal two genders. And when you have something that takes a science-based thing and you teach in health class that there, that a gender is a spectrum, when you teach this in public, in society, are multiple genders, that really does, in my opinion, it does a disservice to just what um, science tells us. And when you look at these gender um neutral bathrooms or these bathrooms that say all genders included yeah that i mean i i believe that you can have a unisex bathroom as long as it's one like one yeah, like, one toilet. like yeah, you don't that's a yeah, thing for can lock, that's fine but and that so far that's what i've seen and i may be and there may be other bathrooms that are um gender neutral that you can be entered any gender you want that have multiple stalls. I've not seen that, but I have a huge problem. Yeah, with that. I agree. Like I, I do have a problem with a with a small girl and an adult pedophile man in the same bathroom I together. Agree. And and again, where does this end? Could I be seventeen and identify as eighteen to vote? <laughs> could I be Could I be thirteen and identify as twenty one to drink? There you go. Where does it end? That was that's a good point you bring. And then with insurance stuff, when men pay a lot yeah, more I'll just for say their I'm insurance than females. I guess I'm 25. Now. Yeah, and then you have, where, where does that end either? <laughs> Those are great points. I mean, can I identify as a female to get the cheaper insurance? People, I'm pretty sure there's a case in Canada where guys are Oh, yeah, they did that. already try. And, and it yeah. worked. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, kudos to him for figuring out a way to to get a cheaper insurance (laughs) legally but i I don't agree with what's going on with that agreed perfectly said yeah uh so that's the last topic okay yeah uh so since we're done with all those topics we move on to our segments our weekly segments we got weekly shout outs first so let me start with the weekly shout outs uh shout out to shane the american robert wicks 
Freedomists, The Underscore American, Thomas Paracco, Citizen Truth, New Health Plans, Let's Debate It, Tyler Leary, and The Fat White Boy 33. <laughs> That's an interesting one. Uh, thank you to these then and the many other viewers and fans that enjoy our show. Uh, we could not do this without you, and we're very grateful. And if you want to be shouted out in next week's episode, be sure to follow and keep an eye on our social media for the weekly shout-out post. All you have to do is like it, and you will be shouted out. It's that simple. Uh, yeah, so the next section is books I'm reading. Uh, so, once again, I'm going to keep you updated on the books I'm reading, and I'll start with The Obama Diaries by Laura Ingram. So, I had just started reading this uh, at the time of last week's episode, and I'm now on Chapter 9, and I'm enjoying it. She talks a lot, basically, about Obama's politician tactics and those things that have groomed the media to lean left and get everyday people to sway in the favor of the Obamas, and that it's more than just mm -hmm. politics. Yeah, so that's Obama Diaries by Laura Ingram. And uh, the second book I'm reading that I was also reading last week was The Phenomenon by Rick Ankiel. Uh, this is the book about, I also said that I don't just do political books. I read books of all kinds. And this one is about that baseball pitcher for the Cardinals. Uh, so I had also just started reading this last week as well. And now I'm on chapter eight. And let me tell you that Rick Ankiel, to become a star baseball player, he had to go through a lot of terrible stuff. This poor guy had a brutal childhood, like an abusive dad who was in and out of jail, a brother who was running drugs. His mom was a mess. And I, I respect him a lot more now from hearing like of his perseverance because for him to go through all that crap for his entire life and still be able to make it as a pro says a lot, you know, so... Yep, uh, so that's books I'm reading right now. Okay, so that is going to wrap it up for this week. Finally, a relatively laid-back week. I mean, there's always interesting stuff going on in politics, but they're finally... Uh, yeah, it was laid-back, but there, nothing is truly yeah, laid-back. It's just laid-back By laid-back, I mean there finally wasn't a revolution or something crazy like that this week. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. All right, yeah. That, definitely an intense um, year. Absolutely. Or intense two years, and we've got a lot oh, yeah. more coming. Another half of this presidency. We're just going over the hump. Man. We're <laughs> this is just getting started, yep. folks. All right, man. Well, it's been fun, Ben. Uh, glad, as always, to cover the week with you. Oh, yeah, same. Yep. All right, and this has been the Free Will Podcast, and we will see you next week.